girls team, I started to tell them that I remember, I just said that this is sort of, you're part of something bigger than just yourself. Uh, this is this is a program that is, you know, I don't want to say elite, but but that sort of that, that level. You, you're part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And the, and the people before you uh, want you to hold that reputation. There's a standard that we want you to hold. Welcome to a Mom Culture Podcast. I'm here with Timothy Marco from Owen J. Roberts High School. He's the head track and field and cross country coach. Tim, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Great. Uh, you know, I want to jump right in here with a question just to start out. You know, as a coach, what kinds of emotions are uh, you going through after kind of finding out that earlier this week that the PIAA canceled the track and field season for the spring? Yeah, it's it's been tough. It's been definitely a range of emotions. Uh, first and foremost, for the seniors uh, to not get that opportunity to to finish out their careers, it, it's it's been tough on them. Uh, it's been tough on me to not get to see them kind of go through that the stages of the season, uh, the last home meet, uh, senior day, um, and then and then have any any type of postseason at all is uh, it's just really tough. And even for all the grades, I think I think even underclassmen, freshmen, sophomores, just to get that experience, just to, to see what it's like um, for kids to just miss that entire season across the board is just uh, it's just really tough. Kids do winter track, kids do indoor track, and they're all building towards this this spring season, which is sort of the, the pinnacle to get to April, May, and to not get that experience is really brutal. But I I really feel for the seniors to not get that that last opportunity to uh, compete in a high school setting. It's tough. Do you have a lot of seniors that are moving on and will be running at the collegiate level? I have a few. Yeah, I have a couple boys. Um, I have two that are actually going to compete at Lockhaven together, Matt Muther and Vincent Fennell. And then Cole Smith is going to compete at Westchester. So I have a couple boys, so that'll be good for them. And I have a female runner as well, Hannah Kopeck. Um, I believe she's going to go to Canisius. Canisius College in New York and compete there. Um, I have a senior that's going to swim, Kayla Ninnis, and I think there might be a girl, Charlie Lustig, might also compete in college as well. So there's a couple, but you know, it, it's just it's just tough. It's really tough to see, not only from a track perspective, but for the seniors in general, prom, graduations up in the air. Uh, just the, those last final months of your senior year to be kind of ripped away from that is is tough. Yeah, I know. I remember uh, as a senior myself. Uh, running some of my fastest times, enjoying those end of the year activities, and uh, really kind of the best memories that I had from high school came in those last few months. Uh, so, so definitely very sad for our seniors. Thinking about the underclassmen, how important is track to their overall development in cross country or in uh, their running career? Uh, it's, I think it's essential. I think track makes you such a better cross country athlete because of the competitiveness. I always say that um, I've been telling kids for years that the reason that I, I like track uh, as far as developing for cross country is you're kind of put on stage. There's nowhere to hide in a track meet. Um, everybody can see everything you're doing. You're not going into the woods. You're not going into the trail. You know, you're not on your own. You're on stage and everybody sees that. And I think that helps that competitiveness. And I think that helps uh, your, obviously your speed development because everything's a lot shorter. And the other thing that, that is really tough is, is that, that postseason environment uh, for, the, for some of the better kids. 
the concept of prelims and finals if you get if you're lucky enough to get the districts to experience the district track meet to experience the conference track meet and just the kind of different um, setup that that has that just gives a lot of kids confidence uh, moving moving into the uh, cross country season. I think it's going to be really tough. And you have a very young team. When we look at it, you've got your stud freshman girl, Claire Zuby, uh, who finished fifth indoors in the mile. Yes. Yeah. She had a little taste of that big stage running and she performed pretty well, but m- the outdoor meet is, is just a completely different experience. And, uh, is that something that you've talked to her about or have had any communication with her about since kind of finding out that the season was going to end? Um, a little bit. Uh, we, we've, we've talked a little bit back and forth here about just the idea of trying to keep that, that speed development going and not just training for cross country. Um, but again, you can't simulate the concept of prelims and finals. I mean, we talked about it in the winter and I said, Hey, like this is outdoors going to be different because you're going to have prelims and finals. That experience can throw kids for a loop. And, um, it's tough for her to not get that that experience and, and see what that's like. And, and the same thing as, as in the conference meet running, uh, you know, possibly running on back-to-back days or running, you know, a couple of events in a couple hour stretch or any of those sort of um, differences between winter and spring track that you, that you get, you get those opportunities in spring more. Yeah, definitely. And Owen J. Roberts, you're a club during the indoor season. So how does that affect maybe uh, the way that you approached the outdoor season, knowing that your opportunities indoors were maybe more limited than some of the other schools out there. Yeah, because our roster is a lot smaller as a, as a club. Uh, it's harder to it's harder to get more kids in the meet. So we have a smaller team. So we just have a few number of kids that come out and compete. So it just it puts the kids that didn't come out in the winter to, uh, you know, it really puts them behind the eight ball because they kind of in a way miss miss two seasons. Um, and it does show kind of the benefits of what winter track and indoor track should uh, should look like and why that, you know, it, it is important to have that um, in your program, especially when you miss the spring season. Yeah, you know, I use the spring season a lot to do a lot of uh, recruiting for, for, for kids. You know, we get a lot of kids out their first time running is uh, outdoor track their freshman year or maybe even their sophomore year. And we try to pull them into our cross country team. Uh, and now, losing that opportunity to maybe recruit kids is definitely going to play into that too. It's funny you say that because I think the same way. And it's also funny because that's how I started in cross country. So I did not run cross country my freshman year in high school. I ran my sophomore year because I ran track my freshman year. And I was like, Oh, I'm not too bad at this. (laughs) So uh, I've always had a soft, I've always had that kind of soft spot to try to get kids to come out. You know, they like the environment. They like like the group. They like the, the, the athletes that uh, we have get along and it's like, Hey, come out in the, in the fall, come on the summer, come on the fall. Um, It's a little bit more of a family environment. Might like it even more. And that's, that's always been a pretty good recruiting tool for me as well. So let's transition then into kind of your, your past and, and you, you alluded to uh, how you kind of got into cross country. Let's talk a little bit about your first kind of uh, experiences with running and just give us a brief overview of maybe how you got into the sport and uh, how you stayed in the sport as long as you have. Sure. Um, I went to Lansdale Catholic High School. 
uh, in Lansdale. Um, I, like I said, I, I freshman year, I ran track and then I went out and did cross country, sophomore, junior, senior year, captain, senior year. I uh, just fell in love with it. Uh, same thing, did track uh, all four years then. Really had some pretty interesting experiences there. Um, and then went to Bloomsburg and ran four years cross country and track. The whole thing, uh, cross country win, winter and spring track. Um, again, had some neat experiences, met a lot of cool people, and just learned to love the sport um, in the course of those years. But it's just funny because I never did it in middle school, elementary school. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't even know what it was until really my freshman year um, of high school. And, and part of that was because I played other sports and didn't, you know, didn't make the high school teams. Like I'm sure it's happened with thousands of other kids. And I always kind of have that as like a badge to, to try to find those kids that, that might not, you know, they don't know what they, they don't know exactly what sport they're doing. Um, and maybe they wind up that cross country or track might be the one for them. Yeah. And so you, at Bloomsburg, you, what events did you mostly run? Uh, I mostly did 5k, 10k, um, a little bit of the mile indoors, a little bit, but more like 3k, 5k, and then uh, 5k, 10k outdoors. And if I'm right, you ran uh, 1557, right? Yeah. Something like that. Something around there. That's a pretty solid time for uh, on the track there. How did you get into coaching then? So you, you graduate Bloomsburg, you, you're a teacher, obviously, you teach at the high school. Uh, and how does coaching kind of develop then for you? So I actually uh, got my first coaching job at ONJ Roberts to be an assistant um, track coach before I even teaching or I was it was the spring of I graduated in December or was it 2009, January 2009, whatever you want to call it there. And then I um, started coaching that that spring at Owen J. Roberts uh, while I was like subbing. I started subbing right away. And I uh, was an assistant for Eric Wenzel. Um, and then that following fall became an assistant to Dave Michael, who had been there for about 30 years. So I got to be the assistant for those two coaches for a number of years. And then in 2016, I became the head coach, the head track coach. Um, Eric Wenzel and I switched. I became the head track coach in 2016 for the boys and girls team. And then in 2018, uh, 2017, cross country season was Dave Michaels last year. Uh, he was there for over 30 years. And then 2018 was my first year as the boys and girls head cross country coach. So this will be my third season coming up for cross country and then track since 2016. So this would have been my what, fourth year. That kind of leads us to this question about coaching influences then. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot to be learned when you're an assistant coach and a great opportunity. As an assistant coach, there's a lot that you can sit back, you can learn. You know, I was an assistant track coach uh, for a long time under Kevin Kelly and then uh, some mm -hmm. other coaches out there. And it helped to guide me. So were there any influences to you for coaching uh, that, that you kind of look back and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I really learned a lot from so-and-so. Yeah, it's interesting. I would look at my influences about how I've become a coach probably in like three ways. I guess first as an athlete, uh, my high school coach, Steve Probert, uh, was like a legend at Lansdale Catholic in the 80s and 90s. Um, he was there for over 30 years. He's the guy that kind of got me into the sport. So I would say he to some extent was an influence. And again, like some of the way I've, what I've learned from has come from him as an athlete. Uh, my college coaches, uh, obviously the Brants, the 
Carrie and Jim Brandt, they've played some roles, me as an athlete. And then moving into the, the, the coaching part as an assistant, my influences were obviously Eric Wenzel and Dave Michaels, who like, again, like I, I couldn't have had better uh, head coach to understand and learn from about how, how to coach high school athletes. Now as a head coach, I look towards other head coaches as an influence. So like yourself, uh, John, uh, John Rahm down at Kennett, Kevin Kelly, um, Mark LaSianca at Unionville, uh, anybody, at, you know, I read all sorts of high school coaching uh, podcasts I listen to or read about different things. Uh, Jay Johnson, I know does a great job out in Colorado. Uh, so now I'm like kind of on my, I guess you could say the third phase of like my metamorphosis of being a coach where now I look at other head coaches. I, I, I heard or read or, or something about, I think it was on a McMillan podcast about how he said, you know, I started out just uh, kind of copycat coaching and then I moved into more uh, understanding what I was doing and developing it. And I feel like you do go through phases of, of development as a, as a coach, um, whether as an assistant up to a, a head coach, and you take from the people around you, you, you know, I, I think uh, one of our marquee or, or, or workouts that we kind of do every single year in track season I took directly from Kevin Kelly and and we do it every year now at Downingtown West um, yeah I mean it's 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 interesting I mean definitely being an assistant coach and you can speak to that like you said I I think just understanding how the the politics of the school district and how to run a program and how to just the logistical aspects um I couldn't I could never imagine being a high school coach, uh, being a head high school coach uh, right away. I think just learning from people that have been around in the sport for a long time really helped me to understand and grow and develop. Uh, so I kind of had a better understanding being a head coach. And what do you think is the, the best thing that uh, a head coach to a, a younger coach or, or maybe a veteran coach to a younger coach could share? Like if you had advice for a younger coach, uh, what type of advice might you offer? So it, it's funny you say that because I, I've, ha I've had a couple of interviews um, as a head coach now, which I don't really feel comfortable. I, it is still kind of weird, like hiring an assistant coach. But one of the big things I always ask is, you know, are you not do you care, but, you know, are you, are you going to be around? Are you available? Are you going to be, is this going to be a priority? Because, you know, going back to my beginning as a 22 year old at a college, uh, you know, who was not engaged, was not married, not have children yet or any of those things. I was kind of all in, I just wanted to soak up everything. This was one of the biggest things in my, you know, it was the beginning of my, my career. And I just was all in. And I just want, I would tell the a young coach or an assistant coach, you know, you got it. You have to be all in. You have to show your commitment. You have to show your uh, passion. Um, I think that that shows out to that shows out to the kids. And I think that's the one thing that I've never really lost is that that passion or that commitment to my uh, to my team and, and my athletes. And, and as my personal family's grown, I mean, there are challenges having two kids, uh, having a family, a supportive wife. Uh, those things all really help. And uh, you know, it just allows me to have that, to, to keep that passion and keep that fire um, to just do the best I can. And your wife's a runner also? Yeah, my wife was a runner as well. Uh, she ran at Bloomsburg with me. We were teammates. She was 
probably the the better. She was, uh, you know, the one setting the school records, going to nationals, uh, all region, all PAT, all PSAC, all this, all that. Yeah. yeah my wife's also a runner, and I, I always uh, say to people, if you're a serious runner, you should try to marry a runner. <laughs> yeah. They, they need, otherwise, it's harder to, for them to understand. Absolutely. <laughs> You just yeah. talked a little bit about how important dedication was uh, yeah. as a coach and passion. And I think that that is something that kids pick up on almost immediately. Uh, if you are not passionate, if you're not 100% in, it's really hard to expect them to be in also. And, exactly. and that brings us to kind of culture and talking about culture. And just kind of give us uh, a sense about maybe how – you view culture on the team and mm -hmm. what elements of culture you think are really important. Yeah. I, I think there's two elements of, of culture that are, that are really important. One, one is sort of the, what I would call like the X's and O's of the culture. Like, you know, do you know how to set up a training plan? How, how do you get kids to, to, to compete? I mean, that's one side of culture, I would say. Um, my biggest thing that I've learned about making a positive culture is to try to individualize workouts as much as possible, especially in the spring season. Um, try to give kids that, that individualization that they need, as well as uh, getting input from, from the athletes. I think the more, uh, the more investment that your athletes have, the more input you get from them uh, as far as workouts go. Um, and, and again, the, the X's and O's concept, uh, that more give and take you have in the conversation, um, the more they're going to be invested into that culture. So I think that's one side of culture. Um, I think the other side of culture is is the the outside of the X and O's. The you know what are you doing to give kids experiences? I tell kids this all the time. I say I, I want to give you experiences that you might not get anywhere else. Uh, indoor track is a great example going up to New York, going up to Ocean Breeze, going to the Armory, seeing the history of the sport. Um, I think those are positive experiences that help build that positive culture. Um, whether or not you're, you're showing, again, your passion, your commitment, you're taking time out of your life to go to New York, take kids up there and, and see that experience. Uh, in the summer, we do cookouts. We do, uh, we do, we'll do a cookout in the summer where we're just kind of meeting Everybody meets the, the team, call the team picnic. The family comes, everybody comes. We just get together, talk about the season. We do it as kind of a beginning to the end of the summer, beginning of the school year thing. Uh, we do a banquet at the end of the cross country season, which has become kind of growing into this whole big uh, senior send off, senior skip thing. I think th those are all part of the experience that everybody can be a part of. So I think there's kind of two pieces to that culture. I think there is the X's and O's training and then there is the the outside of that the the, the culture that the family kind of piece um to your program I, I i love how you talk about how the kids have to uh invest they have to feel um that buy-in almost right and yeah. so how do we create buy-in uh and, and creating experiences for kids i always think is a, a way to create buy-in uh you know when a kid gets put on that roster for the first time for one of these big away meets, that is, uh, that, that's a, a big deal for them. I, I, I can remember back when I was in high school and the first time I got to go uh, to a big meet out at Penn State, I think we went to the Spike Shoe Classic and that was a really big deal. I think it was kind of course changing for me in a lot of ways. 
And so uh, experience is a big one. Sure. And it's just, it's so just funny for me coming from a high school like Lansdale Catholic, which we had a cinder track. It was 380 meters. We had no home meets. We, you know, we were, we would do sprints in the snow when it was snowy or rainy. We'd do them around the parking lot. I mean, I just didn't really have any of those experiences uh, really until college. So being able to provide, to give those kids these experiences, I'm like, this is, this is, it's just neat. It's just something that for me, uh, doesn't get old and when it does get old then it might be time to like hang it up but i just i love giving seeing kids faces um when they get to see these different new and challenging experiences as we move into another aspect of culture uh and we talked about buy-in and we talked about kids uh buying into the program that you've put together and, and some of it is x's and o's they have to believe that you know what you're doing Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have to believe in you as a person, uh, in, in that you are, but there's also the element of kids being coachable. Uh, mm-hmm. how important do you think it is for high school athletes? You know, with, there's so much information out there now where a high school kid can go on Google, search training plans, find different things, mm-hmm. uh, how important is for that athlete to, to, to put their trust in you and to, and to really be coachable? Yeah, that's a great question. I think with, with us, uh, and, and again, like the idea of getting these experiences, I think that helps me as well because it's almost like the, the background, my background in teaching comes out because it's like here's kind of the lesson plan or here's the reason why uh, because of X, Y, and Z are the reasons why this is what I think is the, is the best is the best method for you in this reason. And I think the more experiences that I get and the more um, uh, just different opportunities that I see and the things that I evaluate, uh, it, it gives me that, that reasoning to, to this is why we're doing it this way. And again, I, I, I like getting information from uh, the athlete themselves. Um, I like having that back and forth because they might say, well, I was thinking maybe this, because of this, this, and this, and then we have that that open dialogue, and and I think that open dialogue is is really important. Um, but again, there has to be some sort of bigger bigger goal reason. It's all about the process, and a lot of what I've learned as a head coach, as since I become head coach, is about that process and what's our end goal, and what are the, all the goals we want to we want to hit to hit that end goal, and is this being coachable means making sure you're on the same page to hit those same goals. So I think it kind of all starts, it's kind of a roundabout way to answer that. But if you're on the same page with goal setting, I think that's, that's the key to being coachable. Let's take that goal setting idea and expand on that. Then Uh, what kind of goals, there's a lot of, you know, literature out there about goal setting and and ways to do ways not to do it. And should you even do it or not? Uh, Owen J. Roberts, what does goal setting look like for you? Uh, goal setting for us is since I became head coach, what I started to do is in the summer, I have them fill out a, a form about individual goals, team goals, personal goals that I want them to fill out before we even, um, they're supposed to do it before this, before August 12th or whatever, but a lot of kids do it by the first day of school. So they fill out some sort of team, individual, personal goal that they might have. And then overall, we talk about it throughout the season. Uh, these are the goals from the beginning, from June until November. These are our overall goals. We re-hit, we hit them 
the team, more of the team goals. And then the other thing we started to do is we had these little, these little evaluation forms. My assistant coach actually came up with where after each race, kids write down like, pro, like, what did I do that was good? What did I do? What could I do that? What did I do in the race that could be better? And then what do I need to do to improve? And we have them fill them out on, uh, you know, following a meet, like on a Monday at practice. And uh, we just kind of, that evaluation, that reflection, um, you can do it in a number of ways. And I've tried a whole bunch of different things. I, I, that's one of the big things that I could change again in another year or two, I could try something else. Like, like I'm sure that there's plenty of coaches that have all different methods and it's just kind of what works with your program. And that's, that's what we've done the last two years. It's kind of been, you know, it, wor- it works for us for now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great ideas out there. And I like the idea mm-hmm. of the reflection. Um, mm-hmm. We have a very similar thing at Downingtown West that we've used. Uh, and I think it's important for the kids to look back on that and, and learn from uh, maybe tactical errors that they made during a race or where they didn't believe in themselves enough and they maybe gave in. Uh, recognizing that and then being able to push through it the next time is, is a great learning tool for kids. Your team is is pretty young, right? As we, we look at it and uh, you've got a stud freshman girl, you mm-hmm. have, I'm looking at my list now, you've got on the boys' side, you're returning um, Tommy, uh, um, Tom, Thomas Damiani is is yeah. going to be a junior. Yeah. Uh, Andrew McGonigal is going to be a sophomore. Uh, they had really good. They, they've probably been two of the top three or four boys. Uh, we lose some seniors, so we lose a lot of depth. But uh, we have a good. I guess it's a sophomore. It's hard. I guess they're going to be juniors. The, the sophomore class is is pretty deep. They'll be juniors in the in the fall. Uh, that that grade's pretty good. And then we'll have a senior, Josh Marino, who had a really good season last year for us as well. Um, yeah. So, so we do look, you know, pretty strong on on both sides. I think we have a couple of good freshmen that will be sophomores, along with Claire, uh, Grace Fennel, and Maggie Lustig. So that that's a pretty good crop of ninth graders. So yeah, we do seem relatively young. I, I get the feeling that O and J Roberts has gone uh, a little bit under the radar, uh, but you've been tremendously successful you know we look back at the last couple of years you took two teams to cross-country states last year uh you you took two teams back in 2017 i believe 2017 yeah yeah and uh the boys have gone the boys have gone three years in a row in dish out of district one that's no easy ticket to to, yeah, to get for sure uh so what do you contribute to that success or or that performance success um it's 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 kind of that culture it, we had really good uh senior leadership this year on the boys side we had a really great group of seniors um i have good assistant coaches i just have a good it, it's a good kind of community aspect um and i think the other thing that's played an interesting role is really our, our schedule I, I think again, going back to what I've learned from, um, I've learned from from you guys, from the coaches in the Chestnut, to kind of change the way we approach the season and do uh, less hard racing earlier in the season. Um, I think that's one of the big changes that I made in the last couple of years. I think I, I mean, I don't want to. Again, it's it's not on me. It's a team effort. But I, I really felt like we were racing too hard early, too early in the season. And uh, some teams that fits everybody, but I felt like that was a, a, a tactical change that 
I think has made us a little bit more fit, a little bit less tired at the end of the season. Definitely something I've evaluated. And even I still evaluate because I know we were outside the top 10 the last two years at States, which I know is great that we made States. But looking back on it, I'm like, man, now that I have some time, I'm, I'm evaluating that right now. I'm thinking about, man, how can we get to the next step? I mean, what are we doing at the state meet where we're not making the top 10? So just that constant reevaluation um, and scheduling or whatever it might be is something I keep looking at. Same deal. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly reevaluating too. I think when you look at how do you get to the top, how do you, how do you make those little incremental changes to, to, to get there? You obviously have some foundational pieces that are successful. Uh, you know, you mentioned community, you have a big booster club or. We don't really have a big booster club. We just have, we just have a lot of kids that are, that really have bought into what we're trying to accomplish. Um, again, we we had uh, we had seniors that we're going to miss. We had Vincent Fennel, Matt Muthler. Mom is actually one of my my assistant coach, and she's been phenomenal. And uh, Cole Smith. I mean, we we had just a really great group of seniors that were around for you know before this was was the I guess you could say the Liam Conway era, who's probably the best boy runner in school history that I had to got to coach, and those guys kind of fed off of him uh, when they were sophomores and they saw kind of what it took to get to that level and they kept it going junior and senior year. And it'll be, I think it'll be a little bit of a void, but again, we haven't, like you said, we have a, a nice younger group in and you just want to kind of keep it, keep it rolling. You want to keep the ball rolling. What we've developed over the last four or five, six years, you just want to kind of keep that keep that consistency up and keep that passion. So I heard from Pat Castagna from Tattnall one time, we, we were having a conversation at uh, probably the Henderson Invitational uh, mm. and we were talking and he said, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to get to the top than to stay at the top. And sure. you're in that transition phase now where you've been pretty successful over the last couple of years. Uh, and how do you roll that over? How do you get a new crop of athletes to buy in, to continue to perform, to continue to get to that next level, to continue to further the program? Good question. When, when I when I'm able to figure it out, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean you just try to keep 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 doing the same. Yeah, I don't want to say keep the same thing going, but but just try to build off of what you've built. And and I and I. When I, when I took over the cross-country programs, um, what, what Dave Michael and I kind of built, dating back, to, I look at 2012 as a, as a big year for the girls' program. We won, the, we won our league 12, 13, and 14. Um, and then we won it again in, in 17 and 18. Yeah, we went to 12, 13, 14, 17, 18. We won five pack championships in, in, in a seven-year window. And and for the girls team, I started to tell them that I remember, I just said, this is sort of, you're part of something bigger than just yourself. Uh, this, is, this is a program that is, you know, I don't want to say elite, but, but that sort of that, that level, that you, you're part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And the, and the people before you uh, want you to hold that reputation. There's a standard that we want you to hold to. And I've talked to other coaches about that as well. Um, I know uh, one person in particular, Bill Corn from Strathaven, has done a great job of just saying, "Hey, this is this is how Strathaven runs. Uh, this is our standard. If you want to be in a Strathaven four by eight, this is the standard." And I've sort of taken 
try to take that. I guess I guess that's the way to answer the question. My, my idea would be to this is the standard. Uh, we went to states three years in a row um, and keep trying to kind of move the goal, move the goal a little bit further. So it was win the league when I first started coaching. Then it was try to make states. Then it's try to make top ten in the state. And then you know in five, you know who knows. And then maybe one day be on the podium or something at the state. You know that would be obviously the ultimate. Yeah, I know that was pretty big for for us was uh, when the expect the, the expectations in our culture shifted, it became almost expected that we would be one of the best teams in, in the state. Uh, the boys, uh, you know, they, they, they made their way to state and, you know, we won in 2015. And then it was just the expectation, hey, we're always one of the best in the states. And when we might not always be there, you know, that that might come and go. But right now that's kind of that expectation and the kids believe that they can reach that expectation. And that might be one of the keys is it's one thing to have expectations as a coach. Sure. It's, it's another when the entire program believes that expectation. Yeah. And, and it's funny, as I'm saying that, like that's, that sounds so easy to do, but as we know, I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, but that's, you know, that's the priority is to try to get, is get everybody to buy into that. And however you do that, I mean, there's like, I, like, we, like we've been talking about, and there's numerous ways to be able to do that. It, it, that's, you know, that's sort of the goal is to kind of keep that, that standard in and put it on the younger kids to try to say, Hey, this is what, this is kind of what the expectation is. Go even going back to your question about being coach coachable. I mean, Liam Conway was one of the most coachable kids I've ever had. And, um, having that experience and seeing the both, especially the boys team, but even the girls too. I mean, just to see that, that sort of play out and the success that he had really helped those that buy-in and, and that, you know, this is the sort of standard we want to get to. So. Absolutely. You need, you need at some point to have some, uh, a transformational leader on the team that's going to bring you to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's great. Now, do you run with your team? I do. So I've noticed in a lot of the programs that I look at, the successful programs that I've looked at, not everyone, but a lot of them, the coach runs with the athletes. How important do you think that is? Um, again, that, that goes, I don't know. I don't know how important. I, I would think it's important, especially with cross country. I mean, you can bike. Uh, it's just good. It's funny because this goes back to my influences, what I've just known. My high school coach ran with us, my college coaches biked with us quite a bit and that's just kind of what i've i wouldn't think of of anything else and, and myself as a former runner i would never want to just sit around and i i can't stand that i mean in track sometimes i'm like man i just want to do a workout on the track with them but i have four watches in my hand and i can't you know it kills me but uh i i, I used to run with the boys i'll tell you this i did use to run with the boys but I try to run with the boys a little bit, but it's not as much. It's a little easier to run with the girls right now. Uh, once you uh, have two kids and I uh, don't get out quite as much, it's a lot easier to run with the, uh, run with the girls team a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it's getting harder to, to hang with those varsity <laughs> boys. As we get Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the next thing I want to go into then, and we're going to kind of start to, to, to wind down here. As a coach, uh, you know, what, what do you think – is your strength as a coach? What do you do really well that you think has helped you to become successful? I, I think the biggest thing for me is is my is my passion uh, for the sport, my respect for the sport, um, and my 
my my commitment to my my athletes and my program. I mean, I, the the day that I lose that, I mean, the day I would just kind of hang it up. I mean, I just I love going to practice. I just enjoy seeing uh, seeing the athletes. I and, and I think they they to some extent hopefully feed off of that. I just I truly truly love uh, being able to coach. Uh, you know, being in that in that moment. Uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, logistical stuff that uh, aspects that makes it a little bit more challenging um, in, in a lot of different ways but uh, you know being the actual coaching aspect uh, is just there's just nothing like it and, and being able to see that progress uh, that's made and I, I just love showing them that that progress and I think that's one of the big things if you can show your athletes the progress that they've made in, in, in a number of ways and, and that's something that I, like I said, I keep changing. I mean, I'm making an Excel sheet with top 10 times for each grade and all these different courses just to show them that because I, I can't show that enough. At the end of each cross country season, we have a whole spreadsheet. I'm sure a ton of teams do it. I just love showing it, whether it's a kid that ran 30 minutes in September to, to 25 minutes in November, in October. Like it just doesn't matter uh, to me as long as, as, as long as they give their best. I give my best every day. I give my time. I want them to give my time. That's that's the kind of approach I've had, especially with the family, with young kids, with a wife. Uh, I'm giving up my time. Uh, you need to you need to give up your time as well. You need to commit. Yeah, you definitely need kids that are willing to commit to the work that it takes to be successful. Uh, and I want to just touch back on uh, Claire Zuby for a minute because you, you've obviously got a very talented freshman girl who has run, uh, you know, eighteen twenty for five k. She ran, was it five oh five or five oh four indoors? Five oh five. Looking at her training moving forward, how are you setting that up? Are are you? looking at uh like did you hold her back as a freshman are you progressing that now as a sophomore How, what does that look like maybe as you develop her over the next couple of years yeah i i definitely did hold her back in the fall and i think it really helped her um by the end of the season progress i i knew a little bit about her in middle school um i kind of knew how her progressions kind of was and i just really wanted her to have her best races um, in the postseason, uh, packs, districts, and states. I really wanted her to be successful in, in the fall. And a lot of it was her having to learn to be patient. And I, I know that it was funny. I talked to her parents and they're like, she's itching to go. She's just in a race. And I just, the biggest thing with her was just making sure for, for, for me was making sure she was at the line, healthy, uh, ready to go and confident, uh, for the, for the postseason meets. Uh, and I, I just think that was the biggest thing, whether it was, you know, a little less mileage here or there, uh, not racing certain meets, again, doing two mile meets earlier in the season, uh, not doing as many 5Ks early in the season. I think that was, uh, I think that that kind of helped lead to her success. Now, yeah. sorry, yeah, I'll continue that last point about <laughs> for next year. You know, right now it's a little bit hard because I don't kind of know where things stand with, with her missing a track season is, is pretty big, I think. Um, so she will have some progression. She will definitely up the mileage and everything. But I think the racing schedule could be similar. Do you treat her differently than maybe you treated, uh, you know, Liam Conway, who was uh, a stud runner for you? Um, maybe in some ways. But uh, 
athletes at that level, uh, they don't need to race two days a week. Um, when you're at that level, you know, there's a lot of different things I've read. When you put the uniform on, you have to go all out. Or some people say, you know, just do a tempo, do it as a tempo workout. It kind of depends on where the training is and how the athlete's feeling. But uh, I don't think those kids necessarily need to race into shape. They're they're 12 month year runners. They're in shape. Um, the goal for again, the goal is is to have them healthy and have them be at their best. And uh, Liam, you know, we had a lot of positives. We we, we were. You know, over the course of 12 seasons, man, we had some good races and we had some not so good races. Uh, you know, senior year in track, at, at outdoor track, when you didn't make the final, uh, it was brutal. But uh, you won state titles indoor. So it's just you have those ups and downs and you just try to find what what works best. And, it, it, and yeah, there's a bigger plan, but um, there's also going to be changes in that. You, know, you have to be adaptable. I agree with that 100%. You have to be willing to adapt. You constantly have to be making adjustments. Uh, I know you probably keep a, a notebook like I do, and mm -hmm. uh, that training plan is rewritten over and over and over again throughout the Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like like you said right now, with with the kids coming back, now that we know the season's over, I mean, that, that training plan is is just sort of, man, where, where do we what do we do? Where do we start? Yeah, I don't know. We have a Zoom meeting planned for this week to try and figure that out. We're going to have some conversations and some and, and talk about that a little bit. Uh, there, are my, there are my celebrities in there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's the support system right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, got three rapid fire questions for you just to sure. finish out here. Sure. First one is your top three uh, running memories. Now they can be for you personally, could be coaching memories, can be uh, however, uh, you know, history. Okay. Wow. All right. I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll try to mix it up here. I'll go, I'll go coaching first. Uh, my, my best coaching memory was at States. Um, it was 2017. I had uh, Liam Conway was a junior. Uh, he finished third third in the mile in the boys mile uh ran 415 Allie Brunton meddled in the mile she ran 455 uh, it was the first time she ever broke five minutes first time I ever coached a girl to break five minutes she was what was she seventh because you had we plank uh, plank was like fifth or something like that right I think I think Brunton was like seventh and then I had Tanisha Myers who was a 200 meter I was a sprinter what I one of my favorite sprinters I've ever coached also meddled at states so that's my top coaching memory that just off the top of my head running memory is probably I don't know one thing always sticks out is, is junior year when we won the pack for at Lansdale Catholic um you know Steve Probert was a 30-year legendary coach and just to win his last it wound up being his last pack championship it was a pack 10 back then uh and we beat Owen J Roberts ironically and <laughs> coach Michael by four points and I finished fifth that day uh, to help. And then my, I guess another running memory is, uh, going in 2012 with my wife. Now we went to the 2012 Olympic trials and spent a week in Oregon and went to Hayward field and watched everything. And Galen Rock and Shalane Flanagan and Nick Simmons. And that was pretty cool from a nerding out perspective. Yeah, that sounds awesome. All right. So now, uh, this one is two regrets that maybe you have, uh, either in coaching, running personally, uh, et cetera. 
Sure. Uh, two regrets I have. Coaching uh, Liam Conway's senior year at spring track and just maybe doing things a little bit differently for districts. Um, I think there was a little bit of pressure because he won the state title indoors in the mile. So we were kind of just like, hey, we're just going to run the, like, why wouldn't we do that again? Looking back on it, uh, just a lot of the, just a lot of pressure was going on with him, just with graduating, going to Stanford and this and that. We could have just had a little more fun, run a four by eight, done something else. One of my biggest uh, regrets is just spending more time talking with everybody and kind of, I don't know, just thought we could have done something differently there for his senior year. Man, a running regret. I guess, I guess you could say I, I ran one marathon. I ran Philly. I qualified for Boston by about five minutes in 2009. And I was like, ah, I'll, I'll do it some other time or it'll work out some other time. And that was, that was 10 years ago. So and I'm far, <laughs> far away from that 309, uh, or I guess what I was 305 right now for my, for our age group. Yeah. Something like that. Probably something like that now. So that might be my running regret. Now you're but, still pretty young. You might be I able know, to, I know. Might be able to come <laughs> I, back. The, ma- the masters, uh, when I get to, when you're going to get to 40. Yeah. Once the kids get a little older. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the last question is uh, the best coaching book you've read. Best coaching book, man. Uh, do, do I, is running with the Buffaloes too cliche? That's too cliche. <laughs> nah, that's, that's uh, running with the Buffaloes, uh, Daniel's running formula as far as for coaching. And then, and then the big thing now that I'm a head coach, two other coaches do is, is anything by Jay Johnson, the, the, the collection of um, Jay Johnson, what, what he gets from all those uh, coaches around the country, I think is, is just really uh, focused on the high school athlete, which is awesome. Yeah. He does a great job with his yeah. website and podcasts and everything that he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to close out here. Is there anything you'd like to add anything you'd like to any advice you'd like to give to a young coach or Love what you do. Have passion. Have passion for it. Be committed and and just enjoy it every day. All right. We want to thank Timothy Marco for coming out and uh, joining us on the podcast today. And hopefully be back coaching together soon. Thank Thank you.